You are now listening to the Sanctuary Church Living Word Podcast. We hope that the message that you will hear will inspire your walk with Christ and that it will encourage you to draw closer to God. Now let's listen to today's episode on the Sanctuary Church Living Word Podcast. Amen. Well, let's go to the word Ephesians chapter 5. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 5, starting at the 17th verse. And it says, Therefore, do not be unwise. I'm reading from the New King James Version. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, and in which deposition be, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melodies in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another in the fear of God verse 22 says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. 25 husbands, love your wife, your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church Verse 30 says, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And two shall become one flesh. Verse 32 says, this is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Amen. Y'all say amen real loud. Amen. amen. Thank you, Pastor Elder. Uh, we've been doing a series of, of, of studies and messages on building healthy relationships. And um, this past Tuesday, I was to have uh, been teaching on uh, the wife the wife's role in the family uh, and I forgot that it was election day and I wanted everybody to go to the polls I pray that you uh, did your civic duty uh, and even though some people don't agree with it it is ordained in the scriptures just so you didn't know that that we must uh, obey our civic responsibilities and duties um, but I'm not here to talk about that. And so this Tuesday, coming, if the Lord says the same, we'll talk about the wife's role. Uh, but I figured and I prayed and the Lord kept irritating me that on this morning that we needed to talk to the husbands. Now you might be sitting here today and saying, well, you're dealing with married folks now. No, not necessarily. Because what God's word has to say to us is not just because we're married. But even when God is speaking to the wife, he's speaking to the whole church. Because we are the bride of Christ. Y'all do know that, don't you? Y'all ain't saying nothing. We're the bride of Christ. And so I'll be talking about that Tuesday night, but today... We want to talk about that husband's role because I'm smart enough to know that a lot of times on Tuesdays, the husbands aren't in Bible study. I'm not that, I'm not very, I'm not real intelligent, but I'm smart enough to know that. Amen lights. And so today we want to look at this. We want to, we want to use as a subject. We want to talk about grace based relationships grace g-r-a-c-e i think it's on your your screen grace based relationships i was amazed it's amazing how god puts things together that uh when i was doing some of my meditations listening to some people that i listen to uh online and and on tv on during the week that so many uh men and women of god are preaching and teaching on relationships as a matter of fact my wife and myself were on our way here this morning, and and Ag, uh, Agnes and Reverend, uh, Minister Agnes and Minister Reuben and Jeffrey Johnson was talking about relationships. And I said, if anybody else is listening, I'm glad God gave me my message several weeks ago, so somebody can't say that uh, he just talking about what Jeffrey talked about. Amen. But y'all know the Bible is uh, it's only one book. And uh, so whoever God gives a word to, that's who he gives them to for that particular time. But we're looking at this, so it doesn't matter whether you're single, married, widowed, or divorced, young or old. Our relationship with God will determine how we relate with one another. And that's basically what we've been dealing with is that we, as we build our relationship with God, we'll build our relationship with one another. And, and you show me that somebody that doesn't have a good relationship with people, I'll show you somebody that doesn't have a good connection with God. Tell somebody he's already preaching. Uh, 
And so today we're looking at grace-based relationships. In the Word of God, as we've been teaching for the last number of weeks, probably the last three months, uh, we have been instructed by God in, do, in Matthew chapter 22. It says, "Thou shalt." the first commandment is this, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is likened unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I said, you can flip that a little bit and, and say that as I love myself, so will I love my neighbor. Now, therein uh, lies a problem because if you don't have a good sense of your, your own self-worth and that's what I personally struggled with. I still do at times, Minister Evangelist Susan, Dr. Susan. That we need to have a good sense of our own self because Satan wants to trick you. That, that's a, he really ain't after you. He's after God. He's saying, God, I can't really get you, but I can get those that love you. Amen, somebody. So, so we're instructed to love the Lord our God and others as we love ourselves. So last Sunday, we took a look, just a little glimpse of what God's original design was for the family. We saw it in, in Genesis where, where God, first of all, he made Adam. And, and so that y'all understand that God values single. Matter of fact, over 50% of, of, of citizens of the United States are single. So it just makes sense to me that God does have a word for singles. And, what you, and, and I shared this some, some years ago. People say, well, Bishop, you don't know what it's like. Yes, I do. I ain't always been married. Probably the most sinful part of my life was when I was single. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. But. And part of that is because I didn't have the knowledge and the wisdom that I have now. And neither did you. That's why I tell people you got to be, be careful being so quick to judge your children for their behaviors when we fail to recognize that song that we just sang. That he rescued us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all looking at me funny. That he redeemed us. I forgot y'all done, uh, yeah, but, but for those of us that ain't been, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, we ain't been sanctified all our lives. Hello, that ain't you, because that, that, you know, but, okay. We looked at God's original design, and, and, and our first thing we talked about last week was the exhortation what God's word of instruction was for healthy families and we dealt with two things positioning yourself for the promise and putting on the new self positioning and putting on and I liked what Deuteronomy chapter 6 said because when you follow God's commands you follow his decrees matter of fact it's up there so let me give it to you thank y'all uh, media team I don't want to I don't want to get y'all all mixed up because I have a tendency to jump all over the place so y'all be back there trying to chase where I'm at but here I am Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1 through 3 these are the commandments the decree the decrees and the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you you must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And your children, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey, everybody say if. Yeah. If you obey all, everybody say all. all. 
See, because we have a tendency, I'm just talking about myself, this ain't y'all, I know this ain't y'all in y'all live stream, this ain't y'all, but people like me have a tendency to want God when we want God, and we don't want to be bothered with God, and we don't want to be bothered with God, because there's some things about God that cause me to behave in a certain way that I really don't, I, I got something I want to say to them, and God, you in the way. Y'all have to say amen. There's some things I want to do, God, but but your spirit is convicting me, so I can't do what, you, you know, matter of fact, sometimes we get beside ourselves because I heard the Apostle Paul said, when I would do good, evil is ever present. I find a war going on in me, and listen, even in your relationships, if you are married, if you've been married, if you're single, there's wars going on in your spirit, in the spirit of your mind, and sometimes in our nature, we be trying to figure out what's going on with me. I, I know y'all ain't never felt that way, but sometimes you wonder, I just don't feel right, I don't feel right, and that's a Holy Spirit sometimes convicting us that I told you not to do that. Positioning. Here's here's what I want us to get in that position yourself for the promise in your families, whether you're single, married, widowed, divorced. If you got childrens, if you don't have childrens, the and, and let me give you this. Because you might say say, well, this word is for husbands today. Let me share something with you. Whether you're single, married, widowed, or divorced, you got children, you got grandchildren, you got nieces, nephews, and all of that. They need to know, and you meet might be their teacher. To let them know, now this is what God's word says about what your husband ought to look like. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for the revelation. Because we have a tendency, guess what? We look at what we can see. Uh, me and my wife were watching a movie the other night. I don't remember what it was now. We watched a whole lot of movies. But anyway, we were watching a movie the other night. And, and she had the best, but she forgot. She was running and saw a brother with his shirt off. Real. He was running, had his shirt off. Her husband was a little stubby guy with all this around here like me. Y'all saying, here he comes. Real talk. And, and the thing is, this was a movie, but this is reality. She was called up. She, she grew up in the country, and, and the boys she grew up with, you know, they knew each other. They became, they got married. They, they drove off in the white, blue, yonder, whatever they call it, in a pickup truck. Because they were in an old, beat-up Ford pickup truck. And even I thought, Mother Hayes, I kept looking. I'm like, he's still driving. He done been to college. He got a good education, got a good job. And he's still driving that old, beat-up pickup truck. But then along came a guy. She was out running. And he, he, he got that all of this up here. Oh, you understand? It's all y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He got his shirt off and and he looking all that. Yeah, 
He driving this nice shiny red convertible uh, uh, Porsche or whatever that thing was. And she got caught up in the glamour. And we do that too. We can get so caught up in the glamour. Satan can so distract us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That we lose sight of the blessing that God has before us. The decree she'd been brought up in a godly home. Her mama had taught her the word. She grew up in church. She knew the word. And she had a godly husband. But she saw something else that caught her eye. Be careful at what catches your eye. Y'all may say, Bishop done forgot what he's talking about. No, I ain't. Because the word says that man looks on the outward appearance. Oh, I wish y'all knew what I was talking about. Man looks on the outward appearance. This is what I want. This is what I want him to look like. I want him to have that however many pack he got. I want her to look like this, 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 and this. I want her, I want every eye dotted. I want every T crossed. And God puts him or her in your life. And you say, I don't want that. God said, you said you had a desire. You said you trusted me. And I put him or her in your life. And you say, but he or she is not what I was expecting. And you say, God, I hear you, I see you, but he ain't the one. She ain't the one. I'm going to where I'm going in a minute. This is just real stuff. And if you ain't dealing with it, your children, your grandchildren, your godchildren, your nieces, your nephews have got their eyes on a prize that God said ain't yours to have. And the word says you look on the outward appearance. Y'all know you be saying, boy, he show it. You got your, you got your boo sitting right there with you. And this ain't just y'all, the guys do it too. So don't y'all just feel that way. I ain't, guys do it too. I've been there, done that. But I done learned you look, but you better not say nothing. And then when you're looking, you're looking to see if she's looking at you while you're looking at. And you're thinking in your spirit, oh my God. And wisdom says you better not say a word. Matter of fact, Minister Rodney, you better not look too long. And then if you've been married my wife long enough, she say, what you looking at? I wasn't looking at nothing. Man looks on the outward appearance. But the Bible said God looks at the heart. So you end up in a relationship because the way he looked outside or the way she looked outside. We get caught up on the flesh. And God is saying, I'm trying to show you the spirit. 
So what's that got to do with positioning yourself for the promise? Because if you follow God's word, his instructions, he'll put the right one, the right stuff. That's why the book of Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. But we want to get the stuff before we get God. And then after we done got the stuff and then we get God. And we come to discover that the stuff wasn't what I thought it was. He wasn't, thought I, he wasn't who I thought he was. She wasn't who I thought she was. And then we want to tell God, God, why did you allow? God says, I gave you. Like a mom and daddy trying, mama trying to tell us, I tried to tell you, but you didn't want to listen. Y'all know we've been there. I'm in my 60s. When I was in my early 60s, there are some things that my mama told me. There are some things that Irma's mama told her. You think, well, we, listen, we learned over time some things mama got that you better listen to. Okay, let me go. So Deuteronomy 6 talked about positioning yourself for the promise. And then we talk about putting on the new self. Here's what it says, Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. And y'all heard this the last number of weeks, but you're going to hear it again. Watch this. Here's what it says. Because this is what will make a difference in your marriage, in your relationship. What will make a difference. We got people in here been married over 40 years. We got people have been in here 50, 60 years. You think we ain't all been through some mess? I ain't talking about, y'all hear me, and I'll keep on saying it. You ain't got to sit under no abuse now. You ain't got to stand that. But I, I'm just saying, I'm just preaching what I'm preaching. This is what God given me. Now, somebody else give you something, that's up to you. But some things we don't have to put up with, and there's some things we do. Now, here's what I help you deal with it. Colossians chapter 3. Tell somebody he just preaching the word. He just preaching the word. If. Y'all see that? It says chapter 3 verse 1. It's right in behind me. It says, therefore, if. Everybody say if. If you have been raised with Christ to a new life, keep seeking the things that are above. Now, that ain't stuff. That's wisdom. That's knowledge. Keep seeking the things that are above. That's what it's talking about. It ain't talking about the stuff, going after stuff. It's talking about going after the wisdom, the knowledge, and the will. God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my child's life? I want them to do this. I want them to do that. I want them to go to this school. I want them to go to that, that school. But God, what's your will for them? Because we have a tendency, y'all, to want our children to conform into the image and likeness of what we want them to be. But we got to ask ourselves, God, what do you desire? 
that they become. And then wisdom and knowledge will teach you that God has put us there to move them in that direction. That's the same way with marriages, husband. God placed us there. And let me get into the word. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. The word is showing us right there that you know what the husband's ministry is. It ain't to make babies. It's to prepare your wife to meet the Lord. Y'all say, who we? I'm going to show it to you. It's in the word. Tell somebody it's in there. I'm going I'm to get to it in a minute. But in order to help her, you got to be done already. Come on, y'all look at each other and tell them, we just got to, I got to get myself together. Because we have, a, we want to conform, we want to make that woman, we want to make that husband, that we don't make that wife, uh, what we want them to be. And God is saying, that's where you're messing up, because you ain't got yourself together. So then we get upset because it ain't working out the way we want it to work out. And God is saying, I tried to tell you that you should have sought me first. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. How many times do we get people coming to us talking about, Bishop, I just don't understand. Well, that's what the Bible tells you. You ain't supposed to. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And what will happen? He'll direct your path. Your frustrations will be much less. Your life will be much smoother. Your joy will be more full. If you seek God's guidance. Okay, let me go on. Let me go on. Let me go on. It's so sad. It's so sad that. That so oftentimes when we think about family, we, many of us don't have great memories of, of families. And even the scriptures have many tragic stories about families. It shows the devastating effects of sin on the family. The family structure has been broken for centuries. Dysfunctional families are nothing new. They started in the garden with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve transgressed and then God held Adam. Listen, brothers. He did not, he does not hold your wife responsible for the foolishness in your home. Preaching this house, Bishop, I believe I will. I, I tell Sanctuary that that my wife used to say, say, uh, well, I ain't gonna tell you what all she called me home, but she said, Why are you still praying that prayer? I still pray that prayer. To this day, Lord, make my home a place of love and peace. That's not her responsibility. That's mine. Brothers, y'all ain't saying nothing now. It's my responsibility. That if there's any foolishness in my house, first of all, I'll not be the one causing it. And secondly, I ain't going to allow it. Now, you can allow what you want in your home. I ain't doing it. Anybody knows me well, no, Bishop ain't fooling with that. Because I ain't always been as anointed as I am now. 
So I'll tell you where you could go with that. But it ain't going on up in here. Somebody got to stand the ground. Now I'm going to get to submission on Tuesday night because it positions us mutually because Ephesians also talks about before it gets to wife submit to your husband before that it talks about that we submit to one another mutual submission but our first submission is to God and I declare to you my brothers if you're following God your wife won't have any problem following you tell somebody you preaching now Bishop, I ain't saying she won't agree. We human. But if stuff's going on, we sit down and we talk about it. That's a growing process. That's a whole nother sermon. Communication. But the family structure's been broken for centuries. Adam and Eve sinned, and Adam responded by blaming his wife. They parented two male children, and one of the sons killed the other. Abraham was God's chosen man. He married two wives. Lord and mercy. Everybody say, Lord and mercy. Y'all say, Bishop, before I say something, I don't, y'all want me say. Abraham married two wives. He had two wives. They didn't get along. Help us, Holy Ghost. My wife has always said two women can't live, two grown women can't live in the same house. Y'all ain't saying nothing. That tells somebody that's a little wisdom right there. Because she got her way of doing things and she got her way of doing things and, and he like his food cooked. Can you imagine having two wives? Well, he like his eggs like this. No, he don't. He like them like this. But the truth to be told, some of us living like we got more than one wife. And it ain't necessarily one that's got a cookie. Your other wife can be your job. It can be your money. It can be your, your okay. Even as pastors, it can be the church. Because I'll tell people in a minute, my first responsibility is not to, I used to tell my cornerstone, some of them's here, I used to tell my cornerstone, my first duty is not to you. Not according to scripture. Because had it been, God would have instituted the church before he instituted marriage. And I tell these men and women of God around here, that, that y'all heard me say it, I appreciate what you do, but don't neglect your family. And I mean that. Okay, tell somebody he need to go and preach. Jacob married several wives. Watch this. Like his grandfather. You want to know where some of our behaviors come from? And you say, well, I didn't even know them. You didn't have to. If you don't get the new DNA that Jesus gives us, you're going to have some of that old stuff still in you. 
and you may not know where it come from. I talked about that last week, but so I ain't going to deal with that this week. But Jacob married several wives like his grandfather. His 12 sons eventually sold their younger brother into slavery. Joseph. Now, now when you think about those behaviors, those behaviors were created because of the father's permission. See, the only reason, only reason that, that, that Abraham's wives ended up in the situation that they were in was because when, when Miss Sarah said, said baby, I, I, can't, I, ain't, I can't make no babies no more. My days are, uh, my, my, my birthing years are past that. And she said, but I got a handmaid. You go in and, and be with her, and I'm sure she'll give you what. But, but what he found out was that, that it all it did and still does to this day, Ishmael. Y'all Google Ishmael. And a lot of what we deal with the Muslims and all that kind of stuff today, that's where it come from. Know that. That the sins of our fathers, the word says, are visited upon third and fourth generations. And some of our children that are dying in the streets today are there as a result of what went on generations ago. And nobody's checking it. I dog dare you to tell the devil, I rebuke that spirit of murder. I rebuke that spirit of rebellion. I rebuke that spirit of alcoholism. I rebuke that spirit of drug addiction. I rebuke that spirit of whoremongering. See, we battling against demons. We watched that movie that night, that girl, you could see when those demons took over her body. And her mama spoke right into her face and said, you're not the person that I usually talk to. And my wife said, that's because the person she usually talks to is not the one talking. Y'all don't believe that happened? Y'all go with Jesus. When, the, when, when, when Jesus uh, met the man in the graveyard, I believe that's the one. Anyway, Jesus spoke. And the man didn't speak back. It was the demons that was in him. Sometimes you think you're dealing with a person. You're dealing with what they got in them. That's why I say you better be careful who you connect to. Because you laying down having sex just because he look good or she feel good. Can I preach like I want to? And my daughters, my sisters, a whole lot of times, all you've done is allowed him to impregnate you with a demonic spirit. Preach in this house, Bishop. David was a spouse to many wives. And his son raped his sister. Then the daughter's brother Absalom killed the son that raped her. Y'all know David wasn't all right altogether either. Even though he was a man after God's own heart, he was a, an adulterer. He was a murderer. 
but God still loved him. And that's what we got to get into each other is that it does not matter who we are, where we come from, what we've done. God still loves us. Because when he looks at me, he doesn't see 5, 8, 100, 180 pound guy uh, looking good and all that kind of stuff. That's not what he sees. That's why I said we look on the outer appearance. God looks on the heart. God sees the blood of Jesus. I wish I had somebody up in here that cleansed that little boy from Plainfield, Indiana when he was 15. That took him out of the guttermost and brought him to the uttermost. That's why the song says, Jesus saves to the utmost. Jesus saves. He will pick you up and turn you around. Hallelujah, Jesus. Save. Let me go on. Old people, you say my time is well spent. The husband's responsibility to his wife is like that of Christ to the church. Brothers, hear me well. And sisters too, because you need to know if he's right for you. We were at dinner last week before last and we had this conversation about 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is for those of y'all that's married. Brothers, if you're married, there's some things that you, you got to have in place so that you can get God's attention. Watch what it says. Y'all ain't got this back there. I didn't give it to you. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Now, this is rough right here, brothers, because y'all know what we say. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't get it. She this way one minute and another minute she another way. I ask her. <laughs> I say, we, let's go to dinner. No, she said, let's go to dinner. I, okay, cool. What you want to eat? I don't care. What you, where we going? Just go. Then you get to some place and say, I don't want that. Don't y'all shake y'all head because I see some of y'all shaking your head. And you be like, Pastor Ty, well, I asked you what you wanted and you said you don't care. So we hear it right now. I don't want that. But anyway, all right. So the Bible said, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. Now, let me say something about that because I had a preacher one time and he was up preaching. And when he got done preaching, I told him, brother, don't you ever say that again without explaining what you're talking about. Because he went on with that thing and said, she just weak, she weak, she weak. She the weaker vessel and she this and she. I'm like, brother, you know, no, no, you got to get that thing right. She don't mean, we it don't mean weaker like you think. Because some of our wives are so much stronger than us spiritually. I remember when I was a place in my life, and that's you wives and you sisters, that, that, that sometimes, you know, sometimes God just, because it says in the scripture that, that you need to live holy so if your husband is unholy, you might win him over. I'm telling y'all what the Bible say. 
that you might win him over. But Bishop, you don't understand. I get it. I get that. I get that. If that's where you are, that's where you are. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That you live holy. So if you know what's right, you do what's right. Don't be talking about, well, he ain't doing right. I ain't going neither. Well, that ain't right. My daddy very seldom went to church. But my mama made sure that our butts on Sunday morning was sitting in the house of God in Sunday school, in morning worship, in afternoon service, in BTU and all of that. And I'm like, when I get grown, and you know what, let me tell you how, how it was. Y'all know I'm going to tell you anyway. But mama say, y'all get up, y'all going to church. Well, daddy ain't going, I ain't got nothing to do with it. And you know what daddy had the nerve to do? He would come in there and say, your mama said, get up, y'all going to church. I'm like, that's messed up. Y'all know that was wrong. But let me finish what it says. It says, she, she may be weaker than you are. And that's, that's if you are spiritually where you're supposed to be. But she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. What's that talking about? It's talking about as you become one, it's a new life together. Y'all know it's a new life, say amen. amen. New adventures, new headaches, new joys. Amen. That's why our strength is winning each other because we come to realize that I need you and you need me. Pastor Ty and, and, and uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Susan got, got this marriage thing and as and, uh, long as me and my wife been married and we, we are marriage coaches and all that kind of stuff, we still learn from other people. We can learn from single folk. Matter of fact, some single people will tell you because they're looking for a, for a mate, for a husband or a wife, they'll tell you, you ought to appreciate what you got. Let me see, can Bishop help you with that? Yes, I can. Because while you mistreating one another, he or she looking at what you mistreating. I heard somebody say, oh Lord. I know I'm right. You don't want it, somebody else does. Because God made us for fellowship with him and he also made us for fellowship with one another. And what you don't want, God says, I got somebody that does. You don't want to do nice things for her. You don't want to do nice things for him. You don't want to love on them. And I ain't talking about sex. I'm talking about love. Intimate relationships that grow and develop through time because of your relationship with God. And because I've learned to love myself, then I learned to love my spouse. I learned to love other people. And with that relationship, God is saying, if you don't want to show that intimacy with her or him, I got somebody that will minister in the area you don't want to minister to I owe my wife some flowers 
Because I go in the store and I look and I'm like, well, I ain't going to get them today. But tell somebody, today may be all that you have. And all of us have lived with regrets of our yesterdays. That when I could, I wouldn't. And now that I want to, I can't. I'm still on that one verse. Treat her as you should. Now watch this. Treat her. Y'all, it's in the Bible. It's not up here, but 1 Peter chapter 3, 7. Go home and look it up. This New Living Translation that I'm reading here. It says, treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. So if you marry and you mistreating your wife, we're talking about the, the husbands and the wives right now. And you talking about I'm praying and God, I've been praying for this and I've been praying for that and I've been praying for a new job and I've been praying for, for this and, and, and God is saying, well, there's a piece you missed. Because you mistreating your spouse, you mistreating your wife. Listen how you talk to her. See, just because everybody grinning in front of you don't mean things are well. Be careful how you talk to her. Be careful because one of the other scriptures that I probably won't get to today talks about it, it deals with treat her as you would your own body. So you coming out looking clean and sharp and got it all together, your hair cut and, and your beard trimmed and your wife looking like, who would have thought it? Really? I'm just telling you. You smelling good, you looking good, you walking good, you riding good. They saying that's the bishop's wife? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. That's the pastor's wife. She need to do something. No, he need to do something. How can you say that, Bishop? Because the word teaches us that she's my glory. We're Christ's glory. And she's my glory. Her hair should never be nappy. They got too much other stuff you can go buy now. Really? Should never be nappy. And I know y'all don't wear stockings anymore, but, but ain't nothing worse than seeing a woman walking down the street and her stockings is running all kinds of directions. Really? Amen. 
Tell somebody he on one today. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. I dog dare you to start treating her right and watch your prayers start getting answered. God, I asked you for this, and now all of a sudden here it comes. God, I asked you to do this, and all of a sudden here it comes. I asked for that new job, now I got that new job. I asked for that new ride, now I got that new ride. I asked for a new place of living, and you're giving us a new place of living. I asked you to transform our children. God says all I was doing was just waiting on you to line up with my word. I wish I could hoop. I'd hoop right there. Let me let me give you a few more things and then I'm going to be gone. Because I ain't talking about this Tuesday. I got something else. I got to deal with the other thing. So when we look at our text, under Jewish law, a woman was considered a thing. A T-H-I-N-G. She wasn't looked upon as a woman, a person of grace. And you might say, well, what this subject got to grace-based relationships? Because of the grace of God that has been given to us, that's why we treat each other different. That's why that scripture says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. And husbands, as we grow in grace, as we grow in God's favor, as we grow in knowing more about God's grace, knowing God more about God's favor, as we grow in the knowledge of the word, in how to be a better husband, how to be a better father, even as a single man, how to live better as a single man, we strengthen our relationships with each other. So under Jewish law, a woman was a thing, the possession of her husband. Just as much as his house or his flocks or his material goods. So she had no legal rights at all. It's true. A husband could divorce his wife for any cause. But a wife had no rights at all in the initiation of divorce. You'll see that in the scripture. And the only grounds on which a divorce might be awarded her is if her husband developed leprosy or if he died. In Greek society, a respectable woman lived a life of entire seclusion. She never appeared on the streets alone, not even to go shopping. She lived in the women's apartment. She didn't even live with her husband. The only time she would come to his room was she was summoned. My wife and I were blessed to be in, in Greece uh, few, some years ago, and, and we went to, to, we were able to go and see some of the chambers. Where, where the life, the wife lived, all the women lived. Oh, can you imagine? Ooh-wee. All that uh, going on in one place, all them women in one place. And when the husband got ready to have relationships, he would summon her. She'd come in and he'd do his thing, and a few minutes later, she'd gone back to where she come from. That's where it was. And so God led the Apostle Paul to lead in this teaching 
because she had she was under complete servitude her husband could go out as much as he chose and could enter into as many relationships outside marriage as he liked without incur incurring any social criticism we see that even today You can go out and mess around and get your thing on, and but but she and it don't make it right. But she better not go. Well, why'd you go? And we need to teach our children, our sons, to respect women. Let the, uh, the sons to respect the ladies, and our our, our ladies to respect those men. The the man. The, the, we mutual respect. First of all, respect yourself. Let him know this ain't that. And you know, you, you can tell when you're talking to a sister because you ain't taking no sister to no McDonald's. She will tell you straight up, this all you got. Well, you better take that somewhere else. Really. Raise your standards. Serious. Daddies, date your daughters. Show them how a man's supposed to treat a woman. But even more than that, show it in front of their mama. If y'all together. But treat her how to tater, uh, treat, show her how to be treated by a man. And so our sons, we need to show them how to treat a woman. I, I don't have no problem saying I'm proud of our son, my, my wife's son. Because he knows how to treat his wife. I don't know where he got it from, but he knows how to treat her. By the way, his name is Junior. But we got to, that's what has been lost. So we, all we want to do is condemn and talk about, well, he, he need to treat her better. Well, has he been taught to treat her better? And has she been taught that she don't have to deal with that? There's a song that talks about, I don't have words now, but it talks about greater or better. Greater is coming. Better is coming. Something like that. Greater is coming. Okay, let me finish this. These, these things, characteristics of a husband's love are those that Christ has for the church. I want you to see them real quick, and I'm out. I don't mean to take up so much of y'all's time, but this is what it is. Characteristic number one. Here, here they are. They're up there, I think. The husband's love must be realistic. The husband's love must be sacrificial. The husband's love must be purposeful. And then the husband's love must be personal. Let me hit this real quick and I'm at because I, I got to get you to, uh, you say, well, he did all of that and never did touch on the scriptures. Yes, I did, but I'll give it to you again anyway. The husband's love must be realistic. That's found in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. And that, that's up there so you can read it when it's home. Because what we have to deal with when we talk about a husband's love must be realistic. It's based on what is real rather than on what is hoped for. It's real. This is where we are right now. When you first get married or you first enter into the relationship, that's where we are right now. Now, what that young lady missed on that show the other day was she got caught up so much in the glamour, his six-pack and his, his convertible, uh, whatever that thing was, uh, Porsche. 
that she missed some stuff. And what she missed was that this man's love wasn't realistic. And the evidence of that was when, she, when it came, when he pushed her mama, what he found out was that that cocaine and nothing else changed her like I thought it did. See, we think sometimes we can pump somebody full of stuff that, and we'll change them to what we want them to be. But God is saying that you need to recognize, first of all, your husband, your man, that 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 you believe is for you you got to watch it now listen it's not always perfect it ain't i mean it ain't perfect at all but it's not always what we because you can still marry what you thought was the right one and find out boy did i make a mistake and not necessarily that you made a mistake because people can change y'all ain't saying nothing they'll change on you some of us married dr jekyll and mr hyde You be talking about where we done been married 20 years. Where'd that come from all of a sudden? And praise God if it didn't take you that long to figure it out. His love must be realistic. Much of material marital counseling destroys a false expectation that is set up through romantic comedies in Hollywood uh, that the husband must love realistic. He, it's, it's called uh, one of the sessions that me and my wife teaches is in relationships we're looking through rose colored glasses rose colored glasses is saying that I never thought that when I took my glasses off things would look like they look that they weren't as rosy as I thought they were matter of fact I thought it was all roses but then I found out it was a bunch of thorns Husband's love must be realistic. Second, that husband's love must be sacrificial. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her. Are y'all hearing me? Surround her with a caring, unselfish love. That's sacrificial love. That's an agape love. That's the kind of love that doesn't retaliate. Agape love, which is most often crowned as the highest form of Christian love, is the kind of love and action that shows empathy. Let me show you all what empathy is, three types of empathy. And I'm going to these last two points, and, and we can go on out of here. Three types of empathy. There's cognitive, there's emotional, and there's somatic. Cognitive empathy is the ability, brothers, to understand another person's perspective. Now, you can't do that if you are selfish if you self-centered if you selfish you'll never see another's point of view all you do is want to condemn them put them down i was telling my wife last night i said you know what i see a lot of people a lot of relationships where the husbands and wives always talking down to each other she's my queen i'm her i'm her king and we ought, to, we ought not treat any man. If you got a husband, you ought not treat any other man, including your pastor. Wives, you ought not treat any other, uh, 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 excuse me, husbands, you ought not treat any other woman any better than you treat your wife. 
I used to tell people, don't come bringing me no pie cake and you ain't bake one for your husband. I don't want it. Didn't I tell him that, Angela? I don't want it. Don't. No, 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 no. Don't do any more for your bishop, your pastor, and I'll stand flat-footed and say it in front of anybody. Don't go raising money to buy your pastor a car and your husband got you riding around in a hoopty. What's wrong with you? I ain't playing tell somebody. He ain't playing. Cognitive empathy is the ability to understand another person's perspective. It's being able to see things from their point of view. That's why we sit down. That's why the word says, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Let's sit down and talk about it. Because when we come together and talk about it, there's some things that my wife, I wanted me a pickup truck. I wanted me a brand new. I saw it. I knew what I wanted. Deacon Alfred was with me. I said, that's it, Deacon Alfred. That's it. That's the one I want. I could have got it. I could have. But I went home. I told my wife, I said, ooh, I want this truck. She didn't fuss. She didn't argue. She very nicely said, well, Bishop, I think maybe you ought to wait. And Miss Cherie, since she said it like that, I, I said, okay, I'll wait. But then I don't know what happened. The other day she came back and she said, uh, Bishop, why don't you go and get that truck? And you know what I said? I said, I don't think I want it right now. That's cognitive empathy. Then there's emotional empathy. It's to feel another person's emotions. You know, we as men are, are fixers. So if the woman crying, we think something wrong. Sometimes she ain't nothing wrong. She just crying. Women just cry. They just cry. You might say, baby, what's wrong? Nothing. <laughs> this will help somebody, really. And we think we got to fix everything. And sometimes she don't want you to fix it. She'll just throw something and say, I just want you to listen. Y'all remember that movie with uh, Janet Jackson, uh, whatever that one, when they was, and she told her husband, listen, listen, listen. I just, she just wants you to listen. So she might be just crying, and you saying, what's wrong, baby? Ain't nothing wrong. Just, 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 you understand? Really, y'all know we've been there. You've been there. When you're emotional, empathetic, you can feel what the other person is feeling. You can feel their joy. You can feel their pain. You can feel their love. You can feel their fear. So you see, that's not just for married couples. That's not just for husbands and wives or wives and husbands. That's us in all generality. That's even us to our children. That emotional empathy to our children is the ability to feel what they're feeling. 
See, we, a lot of times we get so caught up in judging our children. And sometimes they're the same way. They just need to know that you're there for them. That I'm listening. That I love you. That I care for you. Then there's somatic empathy. Come on right now. I need to quit. There's somatic empathy. Somatic empathy is the ability to feel another person's physical sensation. Now we got children's in here, so I got to be careful. And I don't know if they're listening upstairs. But to feel your spouse's emotion, I don't know, I mean, uh, feel your spouse's uh, uh, physical sensations. What that mean? I'm glad you asked that. This type of empathy is seen even in medical professionals who can sense what might be wrong with a patient just by looking at them. Or even touching them lightly. Remember what I told y'all last Sunday? And, and I know y'all thought I was messed up when I said I'll do these last two on Tuesday anyway. Remember I was sharing with y'all that the spirit, God is intelligent and he shows you things. And I said that um, the spirit shows me. I know who's sitting in the sanctuary that's hurting that's struggling, even in relationships. You ain't got to tell Bishop nothing. Or whoever your pastor is, that's why, that's why he or she's your pastor. That God shows them that it may not necessarily be you at the time until they see you, but even at sometimes when I'm praying at 3 o'clock in the morning, God is showing me who I need to pray for. Bishop Grinstead used to talk, still talks about that all the time. God will wake him in the middle of the night and tell him you need to pray for so-and-so. And what I shared with you that I could walk around and lay hands on different individuals and I know, and the reason that God would send me and I didn't want to embarrass nobody or nobody get nervous and not come back but lay hands on you because God shows us in our spirit that you need to be healed, that you're hurting, that you're in pain in your spirit, that you need deliverance, that you need to be set free. Brothers, let me share this with you. Just like God through Christ senses our spirits, God through Christ will use you to sense what's in your wife, what's in your, in your children. Because guess what? Bishop Wilson is not the, spirit, the, the spiritual authority in your home. Your husband is your spiritual authority. He's the priest of your home. I'm not. So you know what the best thing you can do for him? When you go on your knees in prayer, when I look at my mom and daddy, and my daddy was a mess. I loved him, but he was a mess. 
And I would ask myself, Tina, I said, Dad, Mama, how in the world? Sometimes I even asked her, but in my, I would ask, Mama, how did you live with that for over 60 years? And you know what Mama taught me and my brothers? That when you can't do anything else, you can always pray. Y'all hear me? Brothers, position yourself. If you have a spouse, if you have children, you don't have to be married, but if you have children, if you have nieces, nephews, and grandchildren, position yourself. Don't be so selfish, so self-centered that you fail to recognize that my son, my daughter, my wife, my best friend, even your employer is in pain. God has given you the spiritual authority to make a change in your home and in your community. I don't just pray, come on, Minister Susan. I don't just pray, and I'm, just, I'm not talking about me, I'm just talking about so that we'll get this. That when I go in prayer for my house, my wife is sitting right there, she'll tell you. I pray for my neighbors, and I pray for our community. God, cover my house. That spirit, listen, tell somebody you need to use your authority. And God don't just cover my house, but cover my neighbors. Some of them don't know you, Jesus, but cover them anyhow. Cover my community. Arm us with your angels. I'm done. That's the grace that God has placed in us to spread it out in our homes, communities, and even the church where we worship. Blessings and peace to your house as God has given it to ours. Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. We pray that the message you just heard inspired your continued walk with Christ. To learn more about our ministry and our worship opportunity, visit us at www.tscmb.org or download our church app in your Apple or Google Play Store. Again, thank you for listening.